Uh, my name's Eric and, and I'm the lead pastor here and I wanna welcome you to this season of this church that we're calling One Mission. And I wanna tell you that the next few weeks uh, are going to be amazingly transformative in the life of, of E3. They are going to springboard us off into the next season of ministry in really amazing ways. We started last week by taking some time to look back at who we have been in the past and so if you guys were here when we kicked it off, we started off by just looking back at who we were. We have a picture of, of when we started, just some folks gathering around. This was before the launch of E3. So over 14 years ago, people gathering around to pray for people who were going to come to that church. And we've always been oriented that way. So we just took some time to say, Lord, what has God done in the past? And we started and we looked at how we have continually decided to make room for more people. So that group of people very quickly uh, began to decide that, look, we needed to make more space for folks who were coming. So they built out that space on Mayhan. And then a few years later, we relocated over here because we felt like God was calling us to do more ministry. And then a few short years ago, we came together again to purchase this facility because we felt like God wanted to do even more ministry. But let me tell you, it all started there. And you guys are sitting in these seats today because of those prayers. And so when I, if you are not in that picture, I am not. If you're not in those, that picture, you need to realize that you are the legacy of that moment. And that's pretty cool. We owe a debt of gratitude to those people and their efforts. And so what we've been doing with this one mission thing is, right, is taking a step and saying, look, what has God done in our past? Who are we? And then taking some time to say, well, uh, this is who we are. We think that God is doing some stuff now. There's a window of opportunity. And how can we respond to what God is doing now in our midst? And so myself and the wise counsel of the church and the staff, we believe that to respond to God, what he's doing right now is that we have to prepare our hearts for more folks, more people who are coming. We have this legacy and we think that what God is doing now is calling us to prepare for the next wave of believers. How do we make room for them? And we, we think we have to do that in some, some multiple ways. We have to prepare our hearts for it. We also have to prepare, prepare this facility and so what this campaign is preparing us to do is to, to, to take a look and say, we need to upgrade our worship space, our lobby, and our student ministry space. We also need to relocate our kids' ministry from the front to the back. We can all be under one roof. You know, I don't know how many people, if it was still raining, any parents that had to drop their kids off and then walk across the parking lot in the rain happened at nine o'clock. We want to move the kids to the back. So amongst other things, that would no longer be necessary. Our kids can be safe back here. It'll be a creative space, a compelling space. And then lastly, we actually need to resurface that sad old parking lot because there's some significant issues with it. And uh, if you picked up a One Mission booklet uh, last week or if you've been to a dessert night, um, you found out that there's a cost to this. The cost is $500,000. And so over the next three years, we're calling our community to come together and for, five, for three years to raise $500,000 to make these changes, 
to make room for one more person. If you didn't get a booklet, they're out there at the Pathways booth. You can pick one up after. And if you haven't been to a dessert night, there's a few more coming up this week. I am uh, being very, very wise with my dessert eating. I have a little bit of capacity for some cake left, but you're welcome to come to these. You can RSVP through our, our online community. It's called myE3.org. You want to hear a little more detail. You want to ask some questions. You're invited to come to these. And here's what I am kind of calling this community to do. And before I do this, if you're here visiting, if maybe you are here for the first time at the block party and you're like, okay, I'm going to check this church out. And you're like, wait a minute, they're already hitting me up for like money, $500,000. Listen, um, if you're here and you're, and you're new, I want you to think about this like if, if you've ever been to somebody's house and then in the middle of your visit, they had to have a family meeting and you're like, oh, this is kind of awkward. But I'm also having the opportunity to kind of hear what this family's all about. If you're new here, please understand that I'm speaking a lot to the family of E3. So you're here uh, eavesdropping on our family meeting. And uh, I'm going to speak really honestly to folks who call E3 home. If you're an owner here, if you would say, I'm not an owner, but I'm all in or I resonate with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be calling you guys to some stuff. If you're visiting, please understand that we put no pressure. Part of our DNA is, is to never be heavy-handed with giving. But we believe if you call this church your home, part of calling your church your home is shouldering some of the financial burden with us. So I'm gonna tell you what my hope, my prayer, my expectation for one mission is, and that is 100% of this community participates. 100% of this community. Now, that does not mean that everybody can participate equally in terms of how much you give. We understand that people are at different places in their lives. But if you call this place your home, my hope, my prayer, my expectation would be that you would say, I am all in. I can't give. I can only give maybe this much, but I will participate because this place matters. That's my hope. That's my prayer. And that's who E3 is. And so that's what we unveiled last week. And we're gonna be moving in this week and next week to talk about, okay, how do you participate? How do you make an impact on the kingdom of God? And so to do that, we're gonna look at some words of Jesus. And uh, I don't know if this is news to you, but Jesus talks a lot about money in the Bible. And he talks about our resources on this earth and how we can arrange them for kingdom impact. And I don't know where you come from this morning. Some, some folks of us, uh, we may have visited churches or have experience in faith communities where there is an almost exclusive focus on maybe uh, the cross and what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection. And let me be really crystal clear here. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our brokenness and he broke forever the power of evil in the world. That is absolutely guaranteed. And when he rose up, when he was dead and then resurrected, that brought us into an opportunity for new life, supernatural life, resurrection life. But there is more to the story. And one of the things we believe at E3 is we take Jesus very seriously at his words when he says over and over in the gospels, hey, uh, listen to my teachings, pay attention to my words. And so for me to, to be a person and a student of the Bible, I go, yes, the cross and the, and the resurrection, I'm so grateful for, but I need to really seriously also look at what Jesus taught and the way he taught and the way he lived his life. And what's, what's more is I believe 
that if you live according to the teachings of Jesus, your life will be beyond what you could ever imagine. That Jesus actually shows us what the best life for a human being can be. Free, compassionate, kind, caring, spontaneous. And so it's my life's goal to make those teachings just 100% cemented into my life. So we're gonna look at what Jesus says about uh, some, some, some of the things in our life that can have kingdom impact. And so to do that, uh, before we get to the, the actual text, we've been just adopting a framework each week for our conversations. And this week's framework is simply this, to get a better tomorrow, we have to trust God with what he's given us today. And just as an exercise, I'd like us to read this together. So let's read it together. To get a better tomorrow, we have to trust God with what he's given us today. So we all have things that God has entrusted to us. Uh, and, and I would just want to kind of go straight to the heart of the matter. Sometimes we have a tendency to take what he's entrusted to us and call it our own and forget that he just entrusted it to us. And in order to kind of go where God wants to take us, not just in this season, but in your life in general, trusting God was saying, you know what, God, you gave it to me in the first place. I'm going to just kind of hold it open handily is a key to moving forward. So uh, we're going to look at a story in one of the Gospels. The Gospels are these four stories that we have about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, we're going to look at a story out of Luke's Gospel. And so I'm going to invite Sam Walters up to uh, read for us. You guys welcome Sam. And um, <laughs> Sam is going to read to us out of Luke chapter 19, this great little interaction. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sam Walters, and today's scripture is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10 from the Common English Bible. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I have cheated I have cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham. The human one came to speak and save the lost. Thank you, Sam. So um, a lot of times when we look at a text like this, I walk through it kind of verse by verse, but I'm going to kind of switch it up this week because I just want to kind of go straight at a couple principles that I think really speak to where we're at as a church and so the first thing I would actually say is uh, simply this. There's a principle here that says secular resources and things allow us to respond to sacred opportunities. Secular things allow us to respond to sacred opportunities. And, and you know, I love to do this, but like, look, when, I, when you're a preacher and you get a good alliteration in there, it's just good to hear. So can you guys just like congratulate me on the, I came up with this. Okay, thank you. Thank you. No, no, I'm, that, that's awful. I'm kidding. Um, Secular things allow us to respond to sacred opportunities. And I actually want to start really basic because 
Sometimes I think as human beings, we put a wall between what we think are secular things and what we think are sacred things, right? So if, if you're a person who explores faith at all, you would say, okay, yeah, I've got these sacred things, these God things, these church things in my life, you know, my, my Bible, that's a, that's a special thing. Uh, maybe, you know, how I treat uh, my growth group leader or the people in my growth group, or when I come to church, I, 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 um, I treat it special because it's sacred, it's set apart. And then in our lives, a lot of times we have the things that we would just call secular. And, and sometimes they happen to be our, our relationships at work or our relationships in our classrooms or the way we drive. Or, uh, <laughs> but the big one is for a lot of us, it, it is our, our resources, our finances. And so we put a wall between them and we say, over here are the things of God and I'm all in over here. And over here are my secular things, and they have nothing to do with anything over here. The problem with that attitude is it is, cannot be further from the, the truth of the Bible. And the truth of the Bible is there really is no difference between the secular things in our life and the sacred things of God. The, sec, the secular things in our life actually enable us to live in and bring the kingdom of God to the world. And we like to think, oh no, they're, they're different. But this text actually shows a great example of that. And I'm just gonna read the, the text that, part of the text that Sam read, verses eight and nine. Okay, Jesus sees this guy, Zacchaeus, and we're gonna talk more about Zacchaeus's life, but for now, I wanna focus just on what he says. Zacchaeus stopped and looks at Jesus, and he says, look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Now we're gonna, like I said, get to who Zacchaeus is and, and the reason this is so significant. But I wanna just kind of focus on the fact that just out of the blue, Zacchaeus says, I have these resources and I'm gonna put them into play for the kingdom of God. I'm gonna give everything. I'm gonna, ha I'm gonna sell my possessions and I'm gonna give half of them to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I'm gonna repay them four times as much. Zacchaeus says, Here's my secular things and I'm putting them in play for the kingdom. And Jesus responds by saying, oh my gosh, today salvation has come to this household. And literally he's saying himself, I, Jesus is salvation. I'm coming to the household of Zacchaeus. And he says, he too is the son of Abraham. And in this context, son of Abraham simply means Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, you are part of God's family. You are a part of God's people. He's responding to Zacchaeus putting his resources in play for the kingdom and saying, you are on board with the kingdom of God. Now, what I love about the Bible um, and what I love about the fact that we have four gospel stories of Jesus is every one of the gospel writers has a slightly different emphasis on Jesus and, and his ministry. And for Luke, this is a very Luke interaction. Because Luke, more than any other gospel, talks a lot about resources and what you do with your resources and like what's happening to like the rich folks and especially those who kind of oppress the poor. So for, for, for Luke, Zacchaeus is all in on the Jesus project because he says, look, everything I have over here in my secular part of my life, there actually is no secular part of my life. I just put it into play and I say, look, I'm just giving it to the poor. And Jesus responds and he says, yes, you are a son of Abraham. There is no difference between the secular stuff in our life and the sacred opportunities. And in fact, when we don't treat it that way, 
that when an opportunity or a crisis comes along that we want to respond to, if you've built that wall, a lot of times you find yourself in a position where, oh my gosh, there's an opportunity here, like one mission, or there's a crisis, like somebody needs a home or some extra funds to help a car repair, and I really want to help, but actually I've built either a wall or I'm just unprepared to respond to a crisis or an opportunity. And so just good kingdom living says, look, there is no barrier. Everything we have can, can contribute to the kingdom of God in our lives. And, and one of the ways this really plays itself out for me is I was thinking about this, and uh, you guys remember a few years back when there was this potentially horrendous plane crash on the Hudson River in New York, right? U.S. Air. And, uh, and you guys remember the captain's name? Sully. Uh, I still think of like Monsters, Inc., right? Um, but uh, that's Captain Sullenberger. And uh, he really captured the imagination and the heart of the country because he just kept saying, man, I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. And, and we we're like, no, like you are. And, and he literally saved, you know, hundreds of people's lives. But there is another story to kind of who he is and what he did. And it's not really like this big aha moment because in a way he would say, I wasn't a hero. You know what he did? He did he responded to an opportunity and a crisis the way he was prepared to and trained to. Like if you go through the essence of what he did and, and I watched just, the, they, they unpacked it minute by minute. What he did was do what every good pilot would do in that situation. But a crisis and an opportunity presented itself and when it came, he was ready. And what I'm trying to get at here is when we don't put our resources in play for the kingdom of God, remember, I'm talking to those who would say, look, I'm all in at E3. When you don't put your resources in to put them in play for the kingdom of God, when a crisis or an opportunity comes around, sometimes you're just stuck. You're like, oh, I wish I could help. My heart says I want to help, but I can't. And it's maybe just because you haven't been trained. You know, that's why we do Financial Peace University. About every 18 months, we take a group of people through and people who have just become enslaved by consumer debt. And you've never been trained how to treat your finances in such a way that it sets you free to change the legacy of your family forever. But it also sets you free to put your resources in play for the kingdom of God. And so we do that. We just finished it up. And yet another crop of people who, have, who are gonna, their life is gonna be forever different. And now they can respond when the kingdom comes calling and they can say, I'm putting it in play, just like Zacchaeus did. We cannot wall off the secular parts of our life because we will never be able to respond the way the kingdom calls us to respond. The second thing that I wanna point out about this story is that not only do the, our resources uh, give us an opportunity to respond, our resources also tell a story about us. And this maybe gets a little bit more uncomfortable for people because I would probably know those of us in this room, maybe you're friends of mine. And if I asked you like, where were you with God? And you'd be like, man, all in on God. I'm all in on Jesus. I'm all in on the cross, the, the resurrection. I'm all in on the teachings of Jesus. Well, tell me about your finances. Ah, you know what? Then I would suggest to you maybe that your resources are telling a different story than your mouth is. Because we are called to put our resources in play. And some of us, uh, the story our resources would say is that I am either unable or unwilling to trust God with this area of my life. They just tell a story about us. 
It doesn't make us bad people. Let me, understand, let, me, let me be clear here. We recognize that people are at different points of their journey. And most of my following, most of my following of Jesus is about taking one step forward. And so there's no real condemnation to saying, look, I haven't been able to make this step. I'm just trying to be honest with you and say our resources and our finances tell our story of what we think about God and how much we can trust him. And what I wanna do is spend some time uh, looking at where you can take a step forward because this really boils down to a practical thing. But before we do that, I wanna revisit that picture of E3 in the early days. So let's put that picture up again. And I said this once, but that prayer, that moment, those people were praying for you. And you sit here on their shoulders not just because of their prayers, because their resources told a story of sacrifice. Those people sacrificed to make this place happen. So you come here on a Sunday morning and you get a complimentary cup of coffee, it's because those folks told a story with their financial resources and their hearts and their lives that say we want to create a place where people can come and they can find out about God without feeling condemned, or look sideways at. And that's the story I want to tell with my finances. That's the story I want our season to tell. That somewhere in 10 years from now, people can look back at a picture of us and go, man, those folks made this possible. And so, again, recognizing that we're all in different places with our finances, um, I just want to walk through a challenge for those of you guys who would call yourselves E3 folks or call yourself a Christ follower. So let's start with just the sheer fact of like saying, you know what, I don't give it all. I don't. You know, if we were having an honest conversation, then I would kind of say, okay, well, let's talk about that. Why don't you give? Well, I don't trust the church. Well, you know, you can look at our budget. We have an open, pretty much an open book here. We can, we can walk you through how we spend our money. But I could also just say, okay, walk me through your heart. Walk me through your heart. How do you look at your resources? Is... is is what you have available to God? And then maybe in that conversation, we could get you to take one step forward. And the one step that you could take after not giving it all, and maybe that's you here this morning, is to say, look, one step beyond that is an occasional giver. An occasional giver is like, look, when I'm moved, when I drive down, you know, uh, Capitol Circle and, and I see somebody who's hungry and I, I slow down and I, uh, I put some money out there or maybe I have some food and I give them some food. Or maybe I come here to E3 and like the music is really awesome because that dude Eric's not playing and he's like not going crazy on the guitar. The music is really awesome. The message was great. So let me, let, me, let me find a tip for God and a tip for the church. So whenever you're moved, you give. And that's cool. But there's another step. The step beyond that is uh, when you start to plan your giving. When you just kind of say, look, I, I should probably have a plan for this. I got a mortgage, I've got a gym membership, and let's, come on, I'm like everybody else, got Netflix. Every single one of those things, I better have a plan to pay for. And so in my case, you know, like my wife and I, like we set up recurring payments because my life is busy. I don't like to think about those things all the time. It's important to me, so I plan for it. And so the next step forward for some of you guys who just give occasionally to say, you know what, actually church is important. 
Actually, it's a little bit more important than Netflix, maybe. And so maybe I should develop a plan for it. And we have a recurring gifts option in uh, my E3 where you could just say, look, I'm, I'm all in at E3. So I, I want to make this a part of my life. It's more important than my gym membership. So here you go. And you make a plan for it. Maybe that's your step forward is to go from an occasional giver to, a pl to planning your giving. The step after that is what we would call proportional giver. So in the Bible, there's a thing called uh, the tithe. Anybody ever heard of the tithe? Literally means 10%. And it's a guideline that the Bible sets forth to say, look, give God the first 10% of what you get. Give God the first 10% of what you get because of his goodness to you. And that 10%, I would also suggest to you, like it just helps you release your hold on your resources, puts it in play for the kingdom. And so we would say, look, if you want to start somewhere, start with proportional giving. Maybe you're planning your giving and maybe you're saying, well, I don't really know what my proportion is. You know what? And, and I'm at a point in my life, again, we recognize that people are in different places in your life. I can't do 10% right now, pastor. I can't do 10%. Then I would say, look, I know people who've just started with one. I'm sorry, with 1%. But then next year, I'm gonna do 2%. And the year after, I'm gonna do three, four, five, six. Start where you are. That's all you have to do. Start where you're at. And then just proportionately give as God gives to you. And then the last level are the sacrificial givers. And those are the folks in this community that they just get it. Look, God owns it all. It may have my name on the savings account, but that's God's money in it because he's given me gifts to get the money. He's blessed me. So actually I'm just a conduit that the resources flow through. And the folks here in this community that sacrificially give have sustained this place over time. But listen, I want to be really, really clear. You see this list? This place, we need and we value every single level. Don't think that you're a second class citizen because you're, oh, I'm only here. Every single person that gives, no matter where you're at in this journey, you make this place possible. We've already celebrated uh, this block party thing. How many people were there? Okay. You know why we could do that and we could not charge a cover and we could do all of that for free? Free food, free bands, free bounce houses. Do you know why? Because of folks in this community that gave to make it possible. We don't do bake sales. We don't do car washes. We exist because people put their resources in play for the kingdom of God. And all we're calling you guys to do as we move into one mission and we come together in unity to say we want equal participation is to say, where am I at on this list? Can I take one step forward during this campaign? And I gotta tell you, we're gonna get there and it's gonna be awesome. And when you can sit there and you're like, man, I was a part of that. No one's going to like say, well, how big a part of it were you? Because I'm not going to know. I'm not going to know. You know? But when you can sit there, man, I did that. And we can look at that picture of like those early folks at E3 and we're like, I was all in when it mattered. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. But this story is not 
just about finances. Because in this story of this, anybody at vacation Bible school, who, who was Zacchaeus? Yes, he was a wee little man, except he really wasn't. And I'm going to get to that in a second. If, if you were never a part of vacation Bible school, you missed out on a bunch of horrendously bad, potentially damaging songs. Let me just tell you. There is not just in, uh, not just in this story, the story's not just about Zacchaeus who puts his resources in play for the kingdom. It's also a story of why E3 does what it does, why we are the way we are. And so I'm just gonna go through the story of who Zacchaeus is and who Jesus is and why we do what we do, all right? So the text says that Jesus is coming uh, into Jericho. He's passing through the town. We get introduced to Zacchaeus. And the text says in verse two that Zacchaeus was a ruler among tax collectors and he was rich. I've said before that Luke, out of all the other gospel writers, he hammers and he focuses on economics more than any other gospels. And I will tell you that on one hand, uh, these three categories that name Zacchaeus as demographic, he was a tax collector, he was a ruler, and he was was rich, all set Luke up to say, Jesus is going to have strong words for Zacchaeus. Because in Luke's gospel, tax collectors, rich folks, and rulers do not make Jesus's nice list at Christmas. All right? But we also know that Jesus has a way of surprising us. So why was it so bad? If you don't know the story or don't know the, the, the history and the culture of, of what was going on, uh, to be a tax collector at that time meant you collected taxes for Rome. Rome happened to be the country that was occupying the Jewish nation. Now think about that. You think the IRS is unpopular? Think if you're a tax collector and you're collecting taxes for the country that is occupying your land. And remember, a lot of cities aren't so big. Think of how Zacchaeus would have appeared to his neighbors and his community. You're collecting, you're collecting money for the enemy. And what's more is that when you were a tax collector, uh, the way you made a profit was that you kept whatever was above the tax rate that Rome required. And you could set that figure at whatever you wanted. So Rome would say, hey, we want this much in taxes. Zacchaeus, you do whatever you want in terms of what profits you want. So Zacchaeus makes money by gouging his neighbors above the tax rate that the enemy wants. How popular do you think he is now? Which makes it even more significant, by the way, that Zacchaeus says, look, I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone, Zacchaeus hasn't even come by his money honestly. And still Jesus is like, you put it into play for the kingdom. So when the next verse comes around and it says, he's trying to see Jesus, but being a short man, I actually think that's a, not a, a, the best translation. The Greek there is literally mikros helikia. And it means short in stature, which can mean physical. But stature is not just a physical term. Stature can be your reputation. 
How popular do you think Zacchaeus is in his community? Uh, that term can also mean that he was young. So I don't think Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I think he was a despised outsider. And the reason he can't see Jesus is not because he's too short. It's because his community hates him so much that they think he has no business being next to a rabbi and a messiah of Jesus' stature. Ah, but Zacchaeus ain't done, is he? And so the text says, you know, that he's whatever, short or, or just really unpopular and despised. And he wants to see Jesus, but he can't because his community is like, well, you're hated. You're an outsider. We don't like you. We despise you. And Zacchaeus says, I'll get you. So I'll get, he goes, I'm just gonna climb. And he finds a space where he can get up high enough to see Jesus. Now, when you're studying your Bible, because you should, and you read a, a little uh, excerpt like this, one of the things you look for is repetition. You look for phrases and words that are repeated. So um, in verse three, Zacchaeus is trying to see who Jesus was, but because he was a, a man low in stature, he couldn't. So he ran and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could what? See Jesus. But then verse five says this, that when Jesus came to the spot, does it say Zacchaeus sees Jesus? It says Jesus looks up and sees Zacchaeus. And I think it says something about who's seeking who. You see, Zacchaeus thinks that I'm an outsider and I'm, I need to go find this man, Jesus. And as soon as he gets a glimpse of him, you know what he finds out? Actually, Jesus has been hunting you. The outsider, the despised person. And that's the Jesus that we follow at E3. It's not just that people are looking for him. We make room for people because we know Jesus is looking for them. And we wanna bring them in. And when they say, man, I just need something in my life. And they look up and they see a God and they see a savior that says, I have been waiting so long to meet you. That's the why. That's why we make room. That's why we make space. That's why we put our, our resources in play for the kingdom so that Jesus can find more souls that he's seeking. The despised, the outsiders, the folks that you don't feel comfortable around. Look next to you. They might be in the seats next to you in six months. And you know what? Jesus is gonna be ecstatic if they are. So I just wanna kind of wrap this thing up by asking us a couple uh, questions about just where we're at with this stuff. And then we're gonna go through a time of, of, of prayer. Um, so a question uh, would just be like, what story do your resources and finances tell? And this I believe wholeheartedly in just being honest with God and with ourselves. And this is not me putting shame on you or, or making you feel guilty. I would just encourage you to be honest with God. God, actually, this is the story that my resources tell. I don't trust you that much, God. I don't trust the church. That's where I'm at. You can only start by telling God like where you're at. Are your resources in play for the kingdom? And have you arranged them so that you can respond when called? Have you just said, man, they're right there. 
And if, and if God, if an opportunity or a crisis comes up, I'm gonna jump in because it's what I've been trained to do. It's the way I've structured my life. And the last question, what's your one step today? Is your one step to just get in the game and to say, I'm just gonna move from not giving to giving now or, or giving, uh, maybe you're, you've been giving and now I'm like, man, I'm gonna make it a regular thing because I know it helps the church. Maybe I'm, I'm giving regularly and now I'm just gonna make it a percentage because I know God wants to take me through this journey of releasing me from the hold that finances and stress has on me. Or maybe you're like, man, it's time. And I feel that nudge to just say, I gotta just kind of put my hands off it and say, God, you can have it all. I don't know what that is for you. And E3 has always been about, listen, being wise. We have to provide for our families. We have to be wise with our resources. But there also is a sense of like, we're going like, look, it was never mine to begin with. It was always God's. But to get a better tomorrow, that's what we said, to get a better tomorrow, we have to trust God with what he's given us today. Most of us, he's given us an awful lot. And we have to learn to just say, God, this feels scary to me, but I'm, I know that I'm called to trust you and I want to put these resources in play for the kingdom of God. And I believe in E3 and I believe in you and I believe that you want to look for more souls, more outsiders, more people to come into this kingdom. So we're gonna do something for just a couple moments um, that might be different, might be new for you. We're gonna take a time of prayer uh, in this space. You know, we, we love to send you guys out to your growth groups to process some of this stuff, but we also want to acknowledge that this time and this space is, is important and it's special. And so we're gonna ask you guys, I'm gonna ask you in just a moment, we're gonna close our eyes and we're gonna pray together silently, but I also, I wanna guide you through some particular prayers. There's this great story in the Old Testament of a guy named Moses, and Moses is a shepherd and he's out taking care of his flock and all of a sudden he looks up and there's a, there's a bush that's burning up, but it doesn't like go away. And all of a sudden God speaks to Moses through, through the bush and he tells Moses, look, I wanna do something crazy cool through you. And Moses is like, I don't believe you, God. And then God asked Moses this question that he's been asking people ever since. And I know he's asked it to me. I know he's asked it to the other leaders of this church. And he asked Moses, what's in your right hand? And in Moses' right hand was his shepherd's staff, which represents his job, his calling, the way he gets his money, his resources, all of it. God says, what's in your right hand? Moses says, my shepherd's staff. And then God says, lay it down. And when he lays it down, that's one huge step to Moses then kind of being freed up to lead God's people into freedom. And I think God is asking us the same thing today. What is in our right hand? What have you been entrusted with? What job have you gotten? What, what resources have been given to you? And then God, just like Moses, is saying to all of us, lay it down and watch what I do through it. So I'm gonna ask you guys now, if we would all just in this room, just close our eyes. And I don't know if you're a praying person, this might be the, the freakiest thing you do this year. But I just wanna invite you to, to close your eyes and we're just gonna pray a couple simple prayers together. 
The first is simply this, God is saying, what's in your right hand? And maybe you would just kind of put your right hand into a fist right now, just a, a gentle fist. And as you think about that fist, tell God what's in that right hand, just to yourself privately. It's in your right hand. And then if you are ready, if you are ready, I invite you, um, maybe just literally to release it. God says, lay it down. And maybe just symbolically you open up that hand and say, you can have, you can have everything that was in my right hand, God. You can take my security, my resources, I put it in play for the kingdom of God. And for those of us in this room that would just say that's too much right now. Maybe if your hand is still clenched, maybe your prayer is simply this, God, I want to lay it down but I can't yet. Maybe you just pray that right now.